Hey, it's Jen Garrett here, and welcome to the Move the Ball podcast. I've helped thousands of people to develop their own personal game plan to achieve that next level of greatness. Now, I'm on a mission to help you utilize the same tools and strategies of professional athletes, Fortune 500 executives, and successful entrepreneurs to elevate your hustle and get you across your goal line. So get ready. It's your time to move the ball. Hey, everyone. Jen Garrett here. It's so great to be back with you for another episode of Move the Ball. If this is your first time listening, welcome. And if you've been a part of the Move the Ball community for quite some time, I'm glad that you're here with us today. Also, something that I want to mention before we get into today's show is that you guys know that this podcast is really about giving you the tools, strategies, habits, advice, and things that you can put into your playbook to help you achieve those big goals that you have in life. So be sure to check out the show notes. There, I've got my goal setting worksheet for you to download, and I'm sure you'll find it a useful resource. So go check it out. Now, I'm really excited for today's show, and I'm honored to have today's guest with us. Many of you know that we recently finished up my Path to the Draft series, where I featured NFL draft prospects on their path to the draft, two of which were extra special to me as they both had a military service connection, being that they both played for Navy football. And today, inside the huddle with us and ready to help us to move the ball is another amazing guy who also played football as a Navy midshipman, Mr. Jesse Ibuji. Jesse is currently an officer in the U.S. Navy Reserve who played college football as a free safety at the U.S. Naval Academy, and he currently competes in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series. Jesse has also competed in the NASCAR Xfinity Series, the NASCAR K&N Pro Series East and West, and the ARCA Racing Series. Jesse was also honored by NASCAR for two years in a row with a Diverse Driver of the Year Award. And I've been following Jesse's journey for quite some time. And not only is he both a champion on and off the track, but he's also a great leader both on and off the field. Jesse, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me on the show today. Well, as your sister in arms, it is an honor and a pleasure to have you on the show. And just like I did on my path to the draft series, I feel compelled to say this real quick, but I say it with lots of love. Go Army, beat Navy. <laughs> so, <laughs> just, just have to get it out. Sorry. It's like, you just have to. Every time I talk to a Navy football guy, I just have to say it. <laughs> so, usually when I have athletes on the show, I like to kick off the conversation talking about lessons they have learned from their sport and how that translates to life and success beyond the game. So, let's start there in our conversation. At the Naval Academy, you played not only football, but you were also on the track and field team. Can you tell us some of the lessons that you've learned being a competitive athlete that has positioned you to be successful? Yeah. So for me, some of the lessons I learned being an athlete in college and high school and all that stuff was really to be successful in any sport. You really got to have the right mindset. And when I say the right mindset, your mindset has to be in a place where one, you can clearly see the end goal, clearly see yourself being victorious in whatever you're doing, achieving the goal, achieving the dream and making it happen. And then having the mindset strong enough that you're able to put in the amount of work and effort necessary to push forward on that journey, on that clear vision and make it happen, no matter what level of support you have. Because sometimes you're going to have some support and sometimes you're not, but you got to be strong enough to last. And what I always tell people is life rewards those who stay strong enough, long enough. And that's just any sport in general. It's not always the most talented who wins a game or who achieves whatever. Sometimes it's just those who just stay strong enough, long enough effort, 
work ethic and just having enough heart. And that translates over really to anything else I've done, whether it's in the business world or in the racing world, just translating that type of mindset over. That's what helps me achieve. That's what helps anyone who's ever been successful in life achieve. It's not about doing some 10-step process. You know, I see all these YouTube videos out there, do these 10 steps and you'll become a millionaire. No, it's not anything to do with those steps. I don't care if you go buy this, go invest in this, go do that, go do that. None of that stuff matters if your mindset isn't in the right place. Your mindset has to be in a place where you are ridiculously committed and ridiculous amount of consistent effort and grind towards that goal every single day. You clearly see the vision and no matter what anyone else believes, you are going to see that vision for yourself and believe in it for yourself because it is in your mind. And when you can do that and get yourself into that kind of place, you'll be dangerous in whatever space you ever get yourself into. Absolutely. And I love that stay strong enough, long enough. I've not heard that phrase that way before, but you're absolutely right. I mean, mindset is critical. Consistency is critical, but your mindset is that key component that's going to keep you going when you're facing times of adversity, when things get tough, when you don't have the outcomes that you want, when you face an opponent that might be ranked and you're not, as an example. And I I just think back as I was listening to you back to March Madness and seeing some of the upset games, especially Oral Roberts was one that I was particularly cheering for. I'm a Gonzaga alum, so that was my team. But it was neat to see a team that was the number 15 seed beat Ohio State, then beat Florida. I mean, it was and part of that is the mindset. There's more to it than that, but the mindset has to be there or they're not going to beat those teams. Exactly. That's the whole thing. Mindset. Mindset is what carries everyone who's been, ever been successful. It's nothing else. I'll give you all the resources in the world, but if my mindset's more powerful than yours, you're not beating me. Absolutely. So let's talk about football just a little bit more on your time playing at Navy. Talk to us about that experience. And also, was there a moment or an experience playing football that you that has like always stuck with you, an aha moment or something that you learned, a powerful lesson? Yeah. So I would say powerful lesson for me, honestly, during my whole football tenure from middle school all the way through the end of college at the Naval Academy, playing football there and beating Missouri in our final game of my college career. I would say my aha moment really honestly came at the beginning of my football career, really towards the beginning, when I, really in ninth grade. That was my aha moment. That was when I started understanding this whole mindset thing that I mentioned to you. At that time, I wasn't that good at football at all. I was a wide receiver who couldn't catch a football to save my life. I was real skinny. I was small. I didn't have a lot of weight to me, but I wanted to make the A-team in ninth grade. And my mom told me basically, hey, if I don't make the A-team in ninth grade, I should probably look at some other sports or something else to do. But I had this goal of mine. I had this clear vision, seeing myself become a college football player. So I was like, I'm not quitting. I'm not going to let this journey play itself out to where I'm going to go. So I figured I got to make the A-team. And that's when I started understanding this whole mindset thing on how, okay, with faith and effort and putting those two things together, every single day and not letting the opinions of others become my reality because everyone's opinion of me was that I was a horrible football player. Everyone's opinion of me was that I don't deserve to be on a football team or even wear football pads. That's what their opinion was. And I and most people will take those opinions and let that become their reality. And I wasn't going to do that because my mindset was stronger than that. So I started putting effort every single day. I started having faith that my goals were going to be achieved. And through that, and through that grind, I became better and better every single day. Eventually, I passed up all these other people who were, quote unquote, more talented than me. And then when it came 
to signing day. I was the one signing with the Naval Academy, going there to play football. And I remember on my first game, my first travel game that I went to to play, I think I played, I can't remember what team exactly, but I remember texting some of those people from high school who I surpassed. And I told them, I'm like, hey, watch my college football game tomorrow on TV. I'll be playing on CBS Sports. And it was just crazy to see how those turn of events happen because my mindset, staying strong enough, long enough, grinding, not letting other people's opinion of me become my reality and understanding that I'm in full control of this journey. And it's all about just having my mind in the right place, having faith and putting effort every single day. So that's my aha moment, ninth grade. That's what led to everything else I'd basically gotten to in life. Oh, I love it. I love it. I'm just getting excited listening to you. So you had said before that you're so thankful for your time at the Naval Academy as one of the best decisions you've ever made. Playing football, serving your country, taught you the priceless lessons of teamwork and trust. Can we go a little bit deeper with teamwork and trust and what those things mean to you and how that translates to being a good leader? Yeah. So as far as teamwork, I learned a lot of it at the Naval Academy, learned a lot of it while being in the Navy as a surface warfare officer. And with teamwork, I started to understand that efficient organization organizations, organizations that do well, that succeed, that have a lot of success and accomplish big things. Those organizations are able to do that because they have efficient systems. And that's what I think a good team is. A good team is an efficient system. Good teams shouldn't be just teams that just only do well because they have that one spark with them that sparks and lights the fire all the time because that one little spark that spark isn't always going to be there. That spark might go off and be somewhere else and go off to another team. That spark might graduate and move on in life. You can't just rely on that one spark. A good team is a team that is an efficient system so that not one person is the end-all be-all. Like That person can be plucked and someone put back in that spot and the system keeps going forward, keeps advancing, keeps getting better. And I think that's a good team. So when you can create a system like that with your team where it's like, hey, this is repetitive. We can duplicate this. We can replicate this. We can continue to advance whether we're here or not. Even when new people come to replace us, the team keeps going forward and keeps on doing great things and keeps on winning and keeps on accomplishing a lot. And when you create that style of system, that's a good team right there. And that's how you can create great teamwork because you're all in it together to make that happen. As far as leadership, as a leader, helping foster that type of environment, that type of positive environment where everyone's empowered to keep this system up to par and doing great things. Being a leader, that's the tough part is understanding, okay, what do I got to do to make sure that I can keep this system efficient and working always? Because as a leader, you can't think that you're a good leader If your team just does well because you're able just to motivate them and that's it. Because when you're not there, you're not motivating them, then what are they doing? You got to create that efficient system where they're motivated no matter what, because they think about the mission. The mission never goes away. You're going to be there. You're going to be gone the next day. Someone else is going to replace you. But the mission's always there. So help them understand that the mission should be what motivates them because that's always there. And it's always there for them to stay sparked and lit. Sure. And when you talk about, A, you're not always going to be there. Got to keep them motivated, focused on the mission. As you know, things don't always go as planned. And so what's kind of your style when things don't go the way that it was anticipated or these unexpected issues as you're trying to execute a mission? How do you keep the team focused and locked in on what they need to do? Yeah. So what I do, I tell people any journey in life, anything we're trying to accomplish, whatever operation it is, whatever mission, whatever goal we're trying to achieve, whatever timeline we're trying to hit, all that stuff. When bad things happen because they do happen, that's just part of life. We have to understand that even in the darkest point of the night, the sun will still rise. Life is a cycle. The mission is a cycle. Things go up, things go down, but they do come back up. Once again, as long as you stay strong enough, long enough, you'll get through it. 
darkness will happen. There'll be times throughout this journey, whatever we're trying to accomplish, there'll be times where we're going through the tunnel and it's pitch black. And that light that we know is at the end of the tunnel, we won't be able to see it. And that's not time to quit. That's not time to cry. That's not time to complain. We got to continue to move forward. As we move forward, we're going to trip because we can't see anything. As we move forward, things are going to reach out and try to grab us. Things are going to try to bite us at an ankle. There's going to be potholes. We might break an ankle. You might fall. You might get hurt. Things are going to happen. This is all part of it. But once again, life rewards those who stay strong enough long enough. you got to keep pushing forward no matter what, no matter how many times you get hit, no matter how many bad things happen. This is all part of it. Life's a card game. We're all dealt a certain hand. Some people's hand they're dealt is a lot better than some others, but that's where we all have to start. But there is absolutely no rule in that card game that states, if you're dealt this hand, you automatically lose. No, there is no card game that has that rule. We're all dealt a certain hand to start. Some will be easy, some will be hard, but it doesn't matter. We all still have cards. Just got to figure it out. Absolutely. And I wish you could see that I'm smiling because before I wrote the book, Move the Ball, I've always been a writer and I've always had these other ideas on things to write. And I actually wrote another book that I never published, but it was all about playing the hand that you're dealt and the cards. And so I love it. We very much think alike. So you mentioned that you were a service warfare officer. You know, you served on mine countermeasure ships, the Exultant, and then you also served on the USS Comstock. And as you looked at your active duty Navy career, you saw a lot of different leaders and styles. And as you reflect back on those leaders that did things well, what would you say were some of the common things, common characteristics and traits that you thought good military leaders did well? Some of the things that I thought good military leaders did well that I've seen just throughout my time as a surface worker officer was one, understanding your people. Everyone has something that makes them tick. There are some leaders out there who come into a new role, being a leader at some command or wherever they're at, and they just bring their certain style. And I'm like, hey, this is it. This is my style. It's my way or the highway. This is what's going to happen. This is how I'm going to lead. Rah, 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 whatever. Like, this is how it's going to happen. And you can come in that way and maybe it'll work, but it's not going to be effective. At the end of the day, everyone has something that makes them tick. So think about cars, right? Not every car is built the same. Some cars require premium fuel. Some require like the mid-grade and some require the lowest one. Like they can still run on the lowest one. They're fine. They don't need that much attention. They just kind of go run. Some are a little bit more high maintenance, but every vehicle is built different. They all do the same thing. Their vehicles, they drive and they take you from point A to point B, but they all require a certain level of attention and a certain level of effort, just a certain level of TLC. (laughs) And that's what makes them tick. But if you provide them the level that they need, all of a sudden they can operate at the most efficient that they can be. It's the same thing with people in leadership. Like when you're leading folks, and I've seen the good leaders, they start understanding their people. Okay, what makes this person tick? What makes them motivated so that they do their job the best they can be? When I can understand all that, I can know how to lead this person and lead this person. Because it might be two different styles. But if I can figure out how to lead them all in the styles that make them work best, all of a sudden the team overall will be more productive and will get a lot more done. If I just come with my one-size-fits-all, it's going to work for a few but man, I'm going to have a lot of issues moving a little bit forward with trying to get people to <laughs> come on board with my particular style. I really like that car analogy because you're absolutely right. And I'm a car person too. It resonates well with me. So I thank you for using that in our discussion. So let's talk about cars a little bit more. So you're currently driving in the NASCAR series. Talk to us about how did you get into that? 
Yeah. So for me, getting into NASCAR back in 2010, 11, when football was over for me, I needed something else to do that was really fun and exciting because I'm just always a sports guy. I love it and had a passion for cars. So I figured, hey, let me get into cars, bought some fast sports cars, and I decided to take them to local tracks near me. I'd go to drag strips, I would go to road courses, and I would do these amateur events. And I had a lot of fun doing that. And after a few years of that, I finally was sitting in my room one night and I just had a vision. I saw myself becoming a professional race car driver because I was going to these tracks all the time. I'm like, this is cool, but why not try to take it to the next level? And I just clearly saw myself becoming a pro driver. And I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to go after this. I think I'm going to become a pro driver. And I had a whiteboard on my wall. I erased whatever I had on there and I wrote one big goal to become a pro driver. And that is where my journey began in January 2014. From there, I was like, okay, how am I going to make this happen? And I figured, okay, for me to go accomplish this big goal, for me to go and be somewhere I've never been, I was going to have to do things I've never done. So I went back to my mindset thing that I learned in ninth grade. Okay, if I want to accomplish something that everyone's telling me that's impossible, what do I need to do? And I started putting into place all the different success steps that I've taken in life to achieve anything. So first, I had the vision. The second step, actionable steps every single day. Like I'm going to have to put daily action towards this every single day. The third thing, as I'm going through these daily actions every day, it's going to be dark. It's going to be hard. People are going to tell me to quit. I'm going to feel like quitting, but I got to stay strong enough long enough. As I'm going through this journey and staying strong enough long enough, going through some of these dark places, I have to understand that throughout that whole time, there's going to be people who reach out to me, people who want help, people who are trying to achieve goals themselves. And they're inspired by me going and achieving mine. So I'm going to have to help them. I was going to have to put all this stuff together to make this happen. I started putting this energy towards this. Life will start opening up doors for you, putting people in your path that you never saw before because you hadn't put that focus energy towards it. So once I started putting this focus energy towards it, I met a guy who was racing late model stock cars. And he eventually invited me to do a test with his team. That test went well. That team invited me to come race with them. They said it cost a certain amount of money to race with them. So I had to go find that money. How did I find the money? I started my own small business. I became an entrepreneur at a race while still being active duty in the Navy. I was putting all this stuff together and just grinding my way through. I was networking, meeting people, going to these events, making hands, kissing babies, doing interviews, doing whatever I could to get my story out there, get my dream out there, help people in the world understand this is what I'm trying to accomplish. And hopefully people would eventually reach back and try to help. And that they did. And through a lot of help, through a lot of grind over the last few years, I worked my way from racing at the lowest level of NASCAR, which is like NASCAR late models. You don't even see those on TV. It's race at local tracks. I went from there to eventually moving up to the NASCAR K&N series, which was the regional series racing on TV. And then from there, moved into the ARCA series, which was another regional series racing on TV. From there, moved up to the national level of NASCAR and the NASCAR truck series. And then now NASCAR Xfinity series. And it's been a crazy journey. It's been a crazy grind, but we've been able to make it happen because we've just stayed strong enough, long enough. We grind every day. I had the clear vision. I know the deal is already done. Like I already saw myself at the top level of NASCAR. I already saw it. So since I already saw it, why would I ever quit when I know the deal is done? Like it's already done. Like the future has already been seen. It's already done. So just stay strong enough, long enough, and you'll get to the end. I love that. It's a very powerful story. And I hear a couple of things that I just want to chat about. So first, if I can hear the confidence, 
throughout you telling the story, which I think is important because as you went began this journey, you didn't have all the answers, per se, but you were confident in your ability to figure it out. You knew that you were going to grind it out. You're going to stay strong. And if you did it long enough, it was going to happen, right? And you had your vision. You could see yourself at the top, which I think is great. And I think that's something that we all need to do. Something else that I think is important is you talked about the networking making relationships. Look, we all know that it's about who you know and the relationships that you build and the opportunities that can come as a result of those relationships. So that's important. The other thing that I heard you talk about is the letting people know about what it is you are trying to do. And I think that's so important for a couple of reasons. One, social accountability. If you let people know what you do, they're going to be asking you about it. So if you're not internally motivated all the time, that's going to drive some additional accountability. I'm not saying you were because I could tell you're driven every single day. But also by putting it out there and letting people know what you're trying to do, people then start thinking about, okay, how can I help? How can I be a part of the journey? What can I do to help Jesse or help somebody else figure out what they need to do to be able to get to where they want to go. And I think that's so important too, to anyone that's listening. If you need help with something, put it out there in the world so people know how they can help you. That's so critical. So I just think all these things that you've done all played a factor in your success. It's not just about the hard work and the grind, but it's all these other action steps as well. Oh yeah, well, definitely. <laughs> that's definitely. Yeah, so what I want to ask is, was there ever a point that, you hear entrepreneurs about the highs and the lows, right? And some people's lows are lower than other people's lows. But was there a moment where you kind of just took a pause and was like, why am I doing this? Or like things just were not going how you wanted. And so it was kind of a defining moment to figure out, am I going to continue doing this or do I do something else? Did you ever have that? Yeah, I've had that moment quite a few times. But the first one that I had was in 2015, about Six months in the racing journey, I was sitting there with basically no money left. I didn't have any more money to keep racing. I had done a crowdfunding campaign that helped me get to one race. I had saved up money from a prior deployment that helped me get to one race. I used, I maxed out a credit card that helped me get to another race. It got to a point where I was like, I don't have any more money. I don't know what else to do. But once again, I was like, I already saw myself getting to the end. So this is not the end. I clearly right now, the devil is right here telling me you can't do it anymore. You don't have the funds. It costs $5,000 per race and you only got $100 in your bank account. You don't have it anymore. It's done. That's what the world was trying to tell me. And I was like, no, it's not done. I already saw myself. So I was like, okay, what do I do? Okay, keep on doing what I'm doing. Keep networking. Keep getting the story out there. Keep talking to people. Keep connecting. Start finding a way to just to be a little bit more resourceful. And what I did was I kept doing that. I kept talking to folks. And the next thing you know, one phone call led to another, which led to another, which led to another, which led me to a lunch with a very wealthy guy. And that lunch with that very wealthy guy led to me getting sponsored for the rest of my season that year. But this was at a point where I literally had nothing left. And somehow, some way this happened, but it didn't just happen by coincidence. It happened because I stayed strong enough, long enough when nothing else was there. This is where faith comes into place. What happens is people start going on whatever journey they're going on in life and bad things happen and they're left with nothing. They ran out of money. They ran out of this. They ran out of people. They ran out of resources. They ran out of time. And then people think, oh man, this was this time to quit. That's my sign. No, it's not. You just keep on going. When you have nothing left, you just keep going. It's like a boxer who gets just laid out. He gets laid out. As long as you're not dead and you can stand back up, never know because the person you're fighting against, that whoever you're battling against or the people you're battling against, they get tired too. And sometimes they just get defeated because they felt like they defeated you and they didn't. 
And all of a sudden now they're defeated. Now you don't even understand that. Now you are just moments away from knocking them out because they already quit on themselves. Like I can't get this guy out or girl. I try to knock them down. It looks like I laid them out and they just got back up. I'm done. And the next thing you know, you knock them out. So that's what had to happen right there. I had to lose everything and not have anything anymore just for life to test my faith to be like, okay, when I take it all away, where are you at? You still believe? You still, okay, it looks like you still believe. Here you go. Boom. Sponsored. So as I hear you tell that story, it's a great way to look at it. It's a great thing to show people just as a reminder. And one of the things that I talk about in Move the Ball is this concept of fourth down moments, because we have these events in our life where we have to decide it's fourth down. Are we going to go for it or not? And if we're going to go for it, what are we going to do to be able to convert that and keep moving the ball forward? And I think it's so important that people think about instead of punting, it's easy to punt. And so instead of taking the easy way, figure out I'm down to my last hundred dollars and I need 5,000 for a raise, it'd be easy for you to say, you know what? I just can't do it. But that's not what you did because you had this vision. You saw yourself at the top and I'm going to figure out what I need to do so that I can continue. And I mentioned confidence before. I just wanted to draw a distinction. Confidence in my mind means that you believe in your ability to figure it out. It doesn't mean you have all the answers. It doesn't mean that you don't have doubts at times, but you know that no matter what situation you're in, you believe that you can find a way to get through it and just stay strong enough, long enough. Where I want to go now is I want to transition to my two-minute drill and ask you seven fun questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. First question is, what did you want to be when you were 10 years old? When I was 10 years old, I actually wanted to be a scientist. (laughs) Actually, two different things. I also wanted to be a professional inline skater. Oh. Those are probably the two things. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, inline skater. Okay. Those are two very different things. Yeah. (laughs) All right. How about who would play you in a movie about your life? Probably be... getting his name right now but he was that boxer on the movie creed michael b jordan michael b jordan boom there you go oh yeah he does great work yeah i could see him being a great character for you how about what is your favorite vacation spot probably would be dubai i love dubai uae dubai Abu Dhabi. i just love that place for some reason that's probably been my most favorite so far i've always wanted to go to dubai but i have not gone yet so it's on my list for sure so my next question is what is your favorite ice cream flavor my favorite ice cream flavor has to be Bluebell. So Bluebell is the brand. They have this banana. I can't remember what they call it, just banana or banana pudding or banana, whatever they call it, but it's their banana flavor. It's absolutely amazing. Best flavor ever. Next time I see Bluebell ice cream, I'm going to have to check that out. How about what is a pet peeve of yours? For me, (laughs) pet peeve is when I clearly give people information and I make it clear as day and I repeat it multiple times and somehow, some way, they come back a day or two later and they really do something absolute wrong way and think that I said something else. A lot of times, especially with truck drivers that I deal with, I tell them one thing and I give them information. I make it very clear. There's no ambiguity at all. I dumb it down as clear as possible multiple times in some house some way. They're like, oh, I thought you said I know. I look at read your text. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, I can see how that would be annoying. All right. My next question is what book are you currently reading or podcast are you currently listening to? When it comes to real estate investors jumping into different journeys while real estate, they give a lot of different tools to help people. It's just a very helpful podcast, very informative. You could learn a lot about the real estate world just by listening to their podcast. You don't got to spend a dime and you could pretty much get into real estate listening to their podcasts. Oh, interesting. I'll have to check that one out. My last question is you are hosting a dinner party and you can invite three famous people living or deceased. Who would you pick and why? 
number one would be Jesus Christ. I love to have Elon Musk. I think he's a very smart, very innovative person. People have laughed at his ideas, but thought they were too crazy, thought that they were too out there. And I would love to have him there. And then Art and Senna. I love to just learn a lot of things from him about his driving style, what he did to become one of the best drivers ever. Three great choices for sure. So tell us, Jesse, what's next for you? What are you focused on? What's next for me is on the business side of things. Obviously, I got my real estate side going on. I'm working on more real estate investments and trying to build that portfolio. On my trucking side, just a semi truck, we're just trying to grow our Amazon business and, and do more each year. I have esports going on where we have an esports league for sim racing. We're growing that. We look to expand what we're doing right now. Currently, all of our events are on iRacing. We are expanding right now. We're going to work on throwing in some other stuff like Gran Turismo and Mario Kart into our simulator racing type experiences. So we put on events. People can join the events, compete in the events, win prize money. We're looking to grow that this year with eRacing Association. That's the sim racing league. And then also, too, just with my you know, drag racing events that I put on, trying to grow that and make that better and better each year. And then in NASCAR-wise, I'm just trying to work my way into the top series in NASCAR, which is the Cup Series. So next year, I'm looking to try to run the full season of NASCAR Xfinity Series. And God willing, we can make that happen. Just got to put together all the right sponsorships. Definitely need some more funding to make it happen, whether we have 10 people come in and help or one. It doesn't matter. We just need more. <laughs> so looking to do that. And yeah, that's those are some of the biggest things I'm, I'm working on right now. Well, I'm definitely going to be one of those people that are following you on your journey and tell people that are listening, how can they stay apprised of what you're doing? Where are you at social media wise? And what's your website too? Yeah. So anybody looking to follow on social media, just head to any of the social media channels. I'm on pretty much all of them. Look up Jesse Ibuchi. That's J-E-S-S-E. Last name is I-W-U-J-I. I'm all, all the social media channels. Please follow me, like everything I do, share it, DM me, send me a message if you've got any questions. I answer all my messages usually within a day or two. That's where people can find me. And you can go to my website too, jessewoogie.com. If you can't remember how to spell it, just type in Navy NASCAR driver on Google. You'll see my name everywhere. There you go. And we'll be sure to put all of those links in our show notes so people can just easily to connect with you and follow you on your journey. Well, Jesse, thank you so much for being on our show today. It has been an honor and a true pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on the show. And thank you to everyone for listening. And if you haven't yet done so, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on your platform of choice and leave us a review. And we will talk to you next time. Until then, make sure that you suit up, you show up, and you move the ball. Thank you for listening to Move the Ball. To see more about what I'm up to and how I can help you to move the ball, check out my website at www.getinsidethehuddle.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And also join the Move the Ball Facebook group for even more content and to be a part of the Move the Ball movement.